My, my wife and my daughter wanted me to get a new one. So they ordered it on, goes along with what Trish was saying too, just so you know where this is going. Um, they thought I should get a new one. So they ordered one on eBay and it came. Oh, and it's shiny and it's new. It's got a big cardboard back on it with twist ties holding it on that cardboard. And it all says wonderful things that are gonna happen with this new tambourine. But I fixed my old one. <laughs> it pinched my hand today, terrible. And the handle moved around. But that the application is, and the scripture that talks about don't um, don't put new patches on old wineskins. He's calling us to be new wineskins. He's calling us to change. He doesn't want us to be in the cave. He's, he's calling us out. I, I don't want my hand to pinch in my tambourine anymore. So I'm going to use the new one. But this is a season, this is a season of change. It really is. Shared, I shared last week about pressing on. In, in scripture it says that press on. And that's an action. That is not a sit still thing. We need to move on. God is calling us to something new. And you know, we, we, we sense it in our spirits. We know that. We know that we've been talking about it for two or three years now, that he's calling us to something new. Things, things are gonna change. Churches, churches are gonna have to change. I, can, I, I believe God wants Something not that man has made, but what he's made. So I'm gonna maybe throw this tambourine away. Bring my new one. <laughs> bless you, bless you. I mean, that was, that was really something. And, it, and it's in the last few Sundays, praise and worship has been incredible. But that's, that's the start. That's the start of the change. And he is calling us to do that, to change our hearts. You know, not to, you know, I, I want to repair things in my life. I want to kind of fix them. God wants to change them. He wants me to be way different. I don't know if you could handle that if I was way different. So I'm pretty strange right now. He says we're peculiar people. You know, we don't think way the world thinks. He's, he's calling us out. I believe that's true. Anyone have anything to share? Don't get up so quick, John. I did something interesting this morning. I, I saw the Google Tower sitting on the thing, so I I said to it, Google, what does it mean to be saved by grace? And I was wondering what it would say. Was it going to give me a multiple of options? This religion, that religion, this way of thinking? It said, no. To save by grace isn't by who you are. It isn't because you've, you've done something that prevents you from having grace. It's not because you've done so many righteous things that you, you are going to be extended grace. It said grace is Jesus Christ and his salvation. If there's a new message, it's the old message. We are saved by grace and grace alone.
every day. And there's things in my human nature, like control and perfectionism, that trip me up all the time. And yesterday I was being controlling and a perfectionist with my husband, and I lose my temper. But I've trained myself, I've disciplined myself to go in the bedroom, and I lie on my bed, and I ask Christ to, to, to make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. I think you kind of get where I'm going here. I asked him to come in me and fill me and change me and, 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 and help me put my human nature aside because I seem to be always in the way. And um, so I, I have many times through the day where I have to retreat. I don't know if it's my cave, Bruce, but um, I go somewhere and I get quiet and I ask Jesus to help me because it's only through him that I'm transformed. And it's a, it's a new thing for me. Um, <clears throat> I, I'm not really that comfortable with doing that because of my controlling nature, but I see that it's the only way I get any peace. So I just keep practicing that over and over again. And Glenn is very happy for that. <laughs> <laughs>
many know that we have been out looking for places, not places, to move to. God's not just good, he's great. In places that we've gone to, such as Fulton, Eldridge, Logan Lake, um, even Armstrong, all under evacuation order. The place that we went to, or moving to, out by barrier, evacuation alert, and then it started to rain. So, yeah, he's not just good, he's great. And I was ready to settle for getting rid of the animals, settling down perhaps on five acres. He uh, gave us more. He gave us more, more land than what we could hope for. So, yeah. Thank you.
for me, this time just proved to me God's going to be it, whether we go through the tribulation now, whatever, whatever this world is looking like right now, God's got it. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Oh, and I just, I just want to tell you, God gave me so much strength that I was able to work our whole holiday and did so much. And I'm just saying, um, I don't haven't lost any weight at all, but I keep telling myself, it's all muscle. <laughs> no more liars going. <laughs> Come soon. your first time here, welcome, you're so welcome, and um, you may have discerned if you're, you're sharp that we love to worship, this is like, what, an hour, <laughs> so, worship, um, and I think it's just, um, you know, humankind is built to worship, we all worship something, you know, I was going to always make the sports comparison. Lots of people love their sports teams or whatever it is, whatever it is that you spend all your time and energy thinking about and investing your money in or your, your energy. But we love, we love God. And I just wanted to read this um, scripture because sometimes I think when we sing about the glory of God, people sometimes get a little nervous, I find. It's like, what's with all this glory stuff? So uh, actually that faith, the... The song we were singing was, I'm looking on the face of Jesus, and I'm, I believe that's probably from um, 2 Corinthians 4, 6, that says, For God, who said, let there be light in the darkness, has made this light shine in our hearts, so we could know the glory of God that is seen in the face of Jesus Christ. So really what we're asking God to show us more glory, really all we want is we want more Jesus, right? We want more Jesus. So if all that glory stuff makes you a little nervous, know that we understand that we're really, um, we're, we want to walk in fullness with Jesus Christ. The one and only Son of God, the one and only person who died for my sin to reconcile me with God and give me eternal life and give me purpose give me a home with him and to make me part of his everlasting glorious family hallelujah so uh, we get we have hearts full of thanksgiving because we remember those things um i love the body i mean it's so encouraging like what lord just read but do you know how many people have participated in our gathering and before the lord this morning and actually when just before leslie spoke i had a I had a vision of, of the Lord's view of all of you who have done your battles on your knees. And I had like the bird's eye view, the heaven's eye view of people who have been on flat on their faces and wept. People who have been flat out in bed. People who have just wept and, and thrown them, their, themselves on the mercy of God and felt like God maybe heard, maybe he didn't. Sometimes it felt like he did and sometimes it felt like he didn't. And God says, I see, I see, and the battle is his. I think of the life of Joseph. 
And it says, and God was with Joseph and blessed Joseph. And there he goes, he's sold, he's thrown into prison and all these things happened to him. But God had a plan and a purpose. And the plan was so much bigger than Joseph. It was, it was, it was a, a plan that was gonna affect the whole world for all eternity because it was the family through which Jesus was going to be born. He was preparing the way. So don't give up. And uh, Bruce and I have these funny conversations sometimes during the week, and it's like, what's the Spirit of God saying to you? And actually, he misheard me when we spoke on, whenever that was, Saturday. And uh, he said, so you got a message? And I said, well, I always feel like there's stuff percolating. But I, I think I said something like, but we'll see what the Spirit of God does. But he heard, well, we'll just wait on the Spirit of God. So he was like, oh, I'm not sure if she's sharing or I'm sharing. So the poor man was up at 5 o'clock in the morning waiting on the Lord. But you know what? You can never lose when you're waiting on the Lord, right? So so even even when we mishear things. So I felt like the Lord gave me this, this, this book in the Old Testament, like a whole book, right? Who gives? Yeah, it's a whole book. It's the second shortest book in the Old Testament, just because some of you just got nervous right there. She's going to read an entire Old Testament book. <laughs> it's the second shortest book that's Haggai and in the Old Testament. And I haven't read it for a while, or when I read it, I read like a couple verses of it. And some of those verses you'll recognize right away. But it's, it's always good, like if you're going to read a letter, if you got a letter from your great aunt or somebody, you would probably sit down and read the whole thing at a sitting, right? You wouldn't just sort of read, well, I'm going to jump into chapter two of this letter, right? You would read the whole thing. So we're actually going to read Haggai, and it's astoundingly timely, I think, for us as the people of God. It's written to the people of God after they returned to Jerusalem, after their captivity in Babylon, they were taken captive and because of their disobedience, and they were taken off to Babylon and they were to stay 70 years. And the prophet Jeremiah said, settle down and make yourselves at home there. And as you are blessed, the people will be blessed. But for a people whose whole worship of God centered around a building, Right? Because it had Solomon's magnificent, incomparable temple that was full of gold and amazing things. And and now they didn't have a temple anymore. And so worship was redefined. Does that sound a little familiar? Like with COVID and we didn't have a building, we couldn't meet together. And worship became redefined. And so God allows, when Darius, the, the, or Cyrus, comes back and says, you can return to the land. He repeopled the, the land with the people that were meant to have been there and let them worship their gods in their land, which was not the way of every king. And the people went back to the land and they began to rebuild the temple. But it wasn't going to be as magnificent as Solomon's temple. Do you remember the story from Ezra? They built the foundation of the temple. And, the, and some of the people are, are weeping with joy, and some are weeping because they remembered Solomon's temple. And the noise went up, and you couldn't distinguish who was weeping with sadness and who was weeping with joy. And they're like, this is really great. We're getting a temple again. But man, is it ever small? Like it's not even second class, it's like 10th class compared to Solomon's temple. It probably doesn't even register on the charts at this point. And they build this foundation, and you remember the story, they had some opposition right away. Do you ever notice that when you go to do something in the kingdom, in the work of God, somebody going to come and say, you didn't do that right. Stop what you're doing. I don't like what you're doing or how you're doing it. Well, that's okay. Because if God told you to do it, keep on doing it. So whether or not they just became discouraged because of the opposition, they let the center of their worship, they let the centerpiece of their life, the only way that they could be cleansed of sin was to go to the temple and offer animal sacrifices, right? So they have no temple, but this didn't seem to concern them. And there was no temple for another 66 years. Well, they stay in the land. So guess what? Being in the land didn't make them holy. And it didn't make their hearts right. 
and they seem to have become discouraged. Is anybody feeling like there's kind of a lot going on in the world right now? We got this snap election, we've got COVID, we've got Afghanistan, like that's just a few things, right? You know, people have health problems, they've got family challenges, the economy, you know, so we can talk about that. You know, you could just get very overwhelmed. Is anybody feeling like that could easily happen to them or has happened? So I'm so glad you're here because this is the place to come to be with the people of God and to get God's perspective. So we're going to kind of go through this quickly and um, uh, it's Haggai, we'll read it in the NASB, you got it already, Terry Joe. Terry Joe, I just gotta say, like, it's so fun, to, like, Terry Joe's doing the lyrics back there, and in between times, she's like, dancing, she's got her eyes closed, and I'm like, how is she doing that? She's got her eyes closed, and she's dancing, and she's doing the lyrics, so hats off, girl, that was, that was, uh, I was just having a good time watching it, hallelujah. So I'm just gonna read uh, some Haggai, and then we're gonna see what the Lord says, because I think there's a... I think there's a timely message and I think there's an encouraging message. So for the parts of it that sound like it's not encouraging, hangeth thou in there. There's encouragement, okay? In the second year of Darius the king, on the first day of the sixth month, the word of the Lord came by the prophet Haggai to Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of uh, Jehozadak, the high priest, saying, this is what the Lord of armies says, or the Lord of hosts, the Lord of heaven's armies. It's interesting that this is how the Lord presents himself to Haggai, as a Lord of an army, as a general, as the man who said, the God who says, look who's behind me, guys. It'll be okay. Heaven's armies, okay? So let's just get that in perspective. So we've got a governor, and we've got a high priest, and so from now on, because... Haggai seems to be a man of great precision, and he tells us exactly when his visions come and the word of the Lord comes, and he tells us exactly the date, which is very cool, because the first one is on August 29th, which is next Sunday. And he tells us exactly who it's addressed to, and I think that's going to become important. So we've got the political leader, and we've got the spiritual leader. And the prophet comes to them, and he says, this is what the Lord of armies says this people say, so the people of Israel are saying, the time has not come, the time for the house of the Lord to be rebuilt. Does anybody remember what our word was for this year? No. Nope. <laughs> rebuild. Rebuild. That God is rebuilding, everybody's talking about resetting, God is rebuilding the church. Because it's not a building, right? He's restructuring and, and remaking the definition of church, I think, so that it'll look more like the first century church. So the people say, it's interesting, all through Isaiah, Isaiah has God saying, my people. Haggai says, God is saying, this people, this people. So you got to sort of ask yourself why that might be. The time has not come, the time has not come for the house of the Lord to be rebuilt. Then the word of the Lord came by the prophet Haggai, saying, Is it time, now this is the Lord speaking, asking a question, Is it time for you yourselves to live in paneled houses? Well, this house, the house of the Lord, remains desolate. Now then the Lord of armies says this, Consider your ways, or give careful thought. You have sown much, only to harvest little. You eat, but there's not enough to be satisfied. You drink, but there's not enough to become drunk. You put on clothing, there's not enough for anyone to get warm. And the one who earns, earns wages to put money in a bag full of holes. Okay, so this is the part where I'm like, hang in there because it gets better. Okay, so the Lord is saying, this is the people of God. They haven't rebuilt the temple. They got the foundation, and then they went, we're too busy. We've got to grow food here. We're back in the land. It's been neglected. It's been lying fallow. We've got to grow food. We've got to look after our families. We've got to earn money. You know, does anybody relate to this? It's kind of life, isn't it? It's life. They were going about life. They were just doing life. 
They're doing what the world does, getting their stuff, fixing their houses, earning food, educating their children, whatever it was, except that their complete identity and the reason there wasn't Israel was to demonstrate to the world what God was like. And they kind of just forgot that. But I'm so glad we're not like that. Let's do it. <laughs> so God says, you know, uh, he said once now, consider your ways. So then he says, the Lord of armies, consider your ways or give careful thought or be intentional. Go up to the mountains and bring wood and rebuild the temple that I may be pleased with it and be honored, says the Lord. For you start an ambitious project, but behold, it comes to little, or you look for much and you find little. And when you bring it home, I blow it away. Why, declares the Lord of armies, because of my house, which remains desolate, while each of you runs to his own house. Therefore, because of you, the sky has withheld its dew, and the earth its produce. And I was like, what? Rewind. What did that, what, what did that just say? Does that lift it like that? That's kind of slap anybody else alongside the hand. Because of you, the people of God, the sky has withheld its dew, and the earth has withheld its produce. And I called the Lord for a drought on the land, on, on the mountains, and the grain, and the new wine, and the oil, and on what the ground produces, on mankind and cattle, and on the products of the labor of your hands. So you just want to sort of summarize what's going on here. People are living their lives basically apart from God. Basically saying, I'm real busy here. I'm too busy to deal with the house of the Lord. I'm not really listening to God's priorities because I'm not life, right? It sounds kind of reasonable, but God doesn't think it's reasonable. Because in the New Testament, we would, we would quote what Jesus said in Matthew 6, 33. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these other things will be added to you. God wants to look after us. He's in covenant with us to look after us. If we want to provide for ourselves, he will let us. And it will not go well. <laughs> this song we sang about only you satisfied. Yeah, try to, try to find soul satisfaction apart from the one who made us, who made us to know of him and to love him. And that's what he's looking for. He's a good, good father. He's a good, good father. So uh, I'm gonna just say the governor and the high priest you know, with all the remnant of the people, um, verse 12, obeyed the voice of the Lord. I would say this is where the book changes. Because the, the, the people heard the prophet and they obeyed the voice of, uh, of the Lord through the prophet and uh, the, who had God had sent. And the people showed reverence, or some translations say feared the Lord. People showed reverence for God. The people showed reverence for God. If the people of God are in the land and kind of look just like the people of the land, and they're not putting God first and trusting him, Linda, it was all about trust, right? When we lived in Africa, and we lived in, you know, in mud huts in just below the Sahara Desert, some of the poorest people in the world, they made maybe $400 a year. So they had everything they had they could carry on their backs. And so when harvest time came, very few Christians in a Muslim context, they wouldn't come to church. And we'd say, you need to put God first. Come to church, worship God, you know, serve God, and God will increase your harvest. God will look after you. You know, and some of them did. But logic says, well, God will forgive me. God's a gracious God. We all know that. God knows that, that I have to make a living. But it's really, it's, it's and you can't uh, don't fall into the trap of judging people's actions because God looks on the heart. And we can never see someone's heart. I know people who are not coming to church because they're doing what God has told them to do right now. And that's that's important. So we don't, it's not, this is not about judgment. This is about me looking at my own heart and saying, consider my ways. 
consider your ways, you and God, and to be intentional, to be intentional because we're not like the world. An incredible thing, like when Solomon dedicated the temple, and that's where that great verse comes from that we love to quote, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, it's about humility. That's what we blend up with what the Lord's saying to you. Who are you to question me? If we will humble ourselves and pray and seek his face. It's a very, last week, Bruce talking about press on, press on. It's the same message. Seek his face. Then I will hear from heaven and I will what? Heal the land. Our land needs to be healed. Our land needs to be healed. But if the people of God, if we don't see like, like we have personal investment, personal responsibility, this said they disobeyed God's priorities and the land didn't yield what it was supposed to do. All of creation, Romans says, waits for the revelation of the sons of God. We and the land, not just Israel and the promised land, but the people of God and the place where God has placed us are intricately and intimately related. And we bring blessing. You, by your presence, bring blessing. And if we're not walking in obedience to the Lord, he can't bless and his heart is to bless. So hear that if you hear nothing else. He's a good, good father. His heart is to bless his heart is to bless us, and his heart is to bless through us. So we just want to be aligned. It's a word we've been using a lot lately, and that, you know, that the, the plumb line, that we would be where God wants us to be to release more of his spirit on us. So it gets better. So listen to this. So the people obeyed. He, he, this is where the story turns. The people obeyed. Then Haggai, the messenger of the Lord, spoke by commission of the Lord to the people, saying, this is the Lord, I am with you. So a little bit like Jesus. Jesus, don't you care? We're out driving on the sea, Galilee, and he's just, hey, do not fear. I am here. Right? That's what he always says. He comes and he gives us himself. He doesn't give us the answers. Sometimes he gives us just himself. And so the Lord says to the people, I am with you, declares the Lord. And John, you said that this morning. I'll never leave you or forsake you. And the governor and the priest and the... So the Lord... Okay, I'm sorry. I am with you, declares the Lord. Verse 14. So the Lord... Pregnant pause. So the Lord stirred up the spirit of the governor and the spirit of the high priest and the spirit of all the remnant of the people. And they came and they worked on the house of the Lord of armies, their God. So that word stirred up, it can also be translated awakened, woken up, caused to arise. Roused from sleep. What if the people of God all over the world, what if the people of Canada in face of, you know, our election and things that are coming, what if God, we allowed God, that we said, God, your priorities are my priorities. I want to hear your heart. I want to know what you want to do, and I want to align with that so you can release that to me because then guess what? He gives us the ability to obey. It's all him, right? So all he's waiting is for us to say, yeah, I'll partner with that. I will make your kingdom my top priority. You're here, so I'm guessing that is true in your life, but each of us has to consider our ways, and then you are a source of inspiration for people who are looking at your life, even if you don't know they are, and they're saying, they put the kingdom of heaven first. Like, no matter what else is going on in their lives, their first priority is God's will, right? And, and God said, when the house is in order, and of course now we're not, we are the temple, right? The kingdom is, a, a, it, we're the people who worship in spirit and truth, so we're not talking about a building, we're talking about the people of God and the kingdom of God, each of us and us corporately. And it said, God said, when that is in order, it brings him pleasure 
and glory. So I'm going to read on. So chapter 2, on the 21st day of the seventh month, so about a month later, the word of the Lord came to the prophet saying, Speak now to the governor and the high priest and to the remnant of the people. Do you remember who the first address was to? It's different. Well, you've only seen it once. You got your Bible there. The address from the prophet was to the governor and the high priest. The governor and the high priest listened. The leaders listened. And they spoke to the people. And all of them obeyed. Now, because remember what the Lord said to the people? This people are saying, it's not time to rebuild my house. Which was a lie. At the very least, it was a lie. It was a misunderstanding. And they were not hearing God. This was this was kind of revelatory to me when I read it. The people of God were saying things that displeased God, and they were not perceiving His will or His timing. This is critical. So when they hear the heart of God and what He wants to do, they obey. They get shifted. They get reset. And next, the word of the Lord comes to them too. Hallelujah! Why does it come to them now? Because they can receive it. They can hear it. Because their priorities are straight. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. We need to stop building our complicated lives because they are not eternal. We spend so much time on stuff that's not going to last. It's not coming to heaven with us, folks. But there's people out there who need to come to heaven with us. And we need to start investing in seeing them come into the kingdom. So here's what happened. The people obeyed. And they said, look at this. We have just like not been making God a priority. We haven't been making his heart known to the strangers who have no idea they're worshiping idols in the shape of snakes and pigs and cows and who knows what they're so mixed up does anybody know some people who are a little mixed up in their lives worshiping stuff that does not last that is gravel in their mouth and they need to know and if we don't show them how are they going to know because they're not going to walk into the store and it's pretty unlikely they're going to pick up a bible though terry joe and i have somebody that we spoke with the other night, and then at the end of it, he goes, I'm going to go read my Bible so I can talk to you some more. And I'm like, hallelujah, right? But likely, the way it looks in the book of Acts to me is that it's us. It's the Holy Spirit in us who is sent out. Interesting that when they go to Samaria, when Jesus takes them to Samaria, the Samaritan woman at the well, there's no record of miracles. So we can get a little bit fixated on the miracles bringing people in. They preached the word of God. They preached truth. They preached salvation. They preached purpose. They preached meaning. They had words of knowledge. I spoke to a man who told me everything I ever did. And he loves me anyway. He loves me anyway. And I've got a reason to live. I'm going to tell everybody. That's the kingdom. That's the kingdom. You know? Does anyone find that time gets quicker as you get older? Oh my idiot, this is crazy. Like it's just getting so quick, right? My baby, my youngest turned 25 yesterday. I'm like, wait a minute, I just like, that, that just happened. How is he 25? Right, and that's my baby. So you know what I'm talking about. Where does time go? Time's so artificial. But we, we have time as a gift from God to use it for the kingdom. To use it for the kingdom, for things that are outside of time, things that last. Things that last. So the people, God addresses the people this time. and says, okay, yay! Yay! I don't know if God says yay. Yay! God's like, yay! People are listening! Woohoo! I don't know I would do that. It's like, yay, they're listening. Cool, we can move forward now. I've been waiting. Speak to the governor, speak to the high priest, and speak to those guys. Because they're ready to do something now. 
Who is left among you who saw the temple in its former glory? Who saw the temple of Solomon? How do you see it now? This is God. He knows how we think. He knows how we think. Does it not seem to you like nothing in comparison? So the people, so let's say Haggai probably has to be at least 70 years old if he saw the temple. And he's saying to the people, which is great because like those of us, you know, like God is using a prophet who's over 70. So that's encouraging all in itself, right? <laughs> and God is saying, what do you see? Because he knows we're deeply affected by what we see. And essentially he's saying, I know how you think. I know you're looking at this foundation and going, is it even worth rebuilding? Is it worth the effort? This is such a puny temple. It doesn't look as glorious as what we've known. I don't know if any of you have known, have walked in some glorious times in God. Wave at me. Come on, if you've seen glory of God, if you've seen things that were unexplainable, that God did, that were so powerful and everyone knew. People raised up from sick beds, we've seen it. People healed, we've seen it. People falling down under the power and the glory of God. Bruce got thrown once. Nobody witnessed it apparently, because he, he was like, he walked in and Suzanne and Michelle were here. I don't know if you remember the story, Suzanne, but Bruce said he walked in and you girls were just like in the glory and worshiping God and he came here, he, he woke up behind the keyboard, like got thrown like six feet. Nobody, nobody saw it. Bruce was like, how did you get here? That's the glory of God. God does stuff that we can't explain. But we don't worship him because he does the stuff. We worship him because he's God. And we align with him in obedience so he can work out his plan. And he has plans. Anybody believe he's got good plans? Is he like stalled out? It's God like, like Brian always says, good God is not saying, gee, I didn't see that coming. You know, God knows. God has a plan. And he's well able. And he knows what he wants to do. And for some reason, he wants us to do it with him because we are his body. It's really hard if you're a head and you have a body, but you're like, your body isn't doing what the head says, and Jesus is the head. So like, you, you know, it's kind of macabre to be thinking about just this head that's trying to go around by itself. He needs our, he needs his body. He needs his body. And his body is glorious. And his body is us. In his body, Suzanne, what did, what did you read this morning? Like out of the Passion Translation, we have, we're overflowing with what we need. We have the spirit of the living God. We have everything we need for life and godliness. And we have everything we need to walk in those good works that he prepared beforehand that we would walk in them. We don't make this stuff up. We don't invent stuff to do for God. But he has a plan. So he stirs up the spirit of the leaders and he stirs up the spirit of the people and he awakens them. Look at your neighbor and say, wake up, honey. Go on. Come on. Wake up. Wake up. You're not doing it. Come on. Come on. Look, Brenda, tell Bill to wake up. He actually was falling asleep. I thought you know. I thought you. <laughs> wake up. Wake up in the spirit. Wake up in the spirit. When you were saved, did you have some fervor? When you were a new Christian, did you have some fervor? Did you have some zeal? Did you have some passion? Were you like running around saying, you don't believe what happened to me, right? Wake up, wake up. Jesus is the same. He's got a mission for us and the only people he has is us. So the Lord addresses the people and he says, how do you see it? Don't look with your eyes, essentially. What is faith? Faith is the substance of things hoped for, not seen, right? It's the substance of things hoped for. We do not see in the spirit with our eyeballs. We see with faith. We see with the vision of God. Remember Elijah waiting for the rain to come in that little cloud. Go back! I've already seen it in the spirit. See it in the spirit and you won't doubt it's coming in the natural. So the Lord says, this is still God speaking through the prophet, but now take courage. Take courage, Zerubbabel, declares the Lord. Take courage also, Joshua, the high priest. 
Take courage, all you people of the land. Does that sound a little bit like Joshua, the beginning of Joshua? Joshua, be strong and courageous. Leadership has changed. You're the guy that's going to take the people into the promised land. Be strong and courageous. Take courage. Take courage. Be strong. It could be translated, prevail. Hello. How'd you like to say that when you meet your brothers and sisters on the street? Prevail in the, the Lord Jesus, brother. Right? It's kind of inspirational. We don't say that. Prevail. Prevail. Overcome. We are more than conquerors. We are overcomers in the Lord Jesus. And we've kind of been asleep. We've kind of been asleep. And God is rousing us. God is waking us up. Can be translated, be restored. Prevail. Be steadfast. Be strong. Be, take courage. And he says it to the, the governor. And he says it to the high priest. And he says it to the people. It's kind of like Jesus says to the, the women at the tomb, go and tell my brothers and Peter. Why? Because Peter had disqualified himself. Yeah. Right? And the Lord says, I got you. Be strong. I got you. Be strong. And I got you. Be strong. I'm not missing anybody. Anybody who will say yes. Anybody who will align with me. I see you. I see you. I called you. I chose you. I called you by name. And I have a place for you. There's nobody that's too old. There's nobody that's too frail. There's nobody that's done too much stuff. But God's not going to forget them. I'm calling them to be part of the glorious purposes that he has in the earth. He's got us. He's got us. He's all, he's always, we're all he's got to work with. <laughs> and he will finish the good work he's begun in each of us. So he says, take courage. Take courage, all of you. I'm naming you by name. As for the promise, verse 5, 2, 5, which I made to you when you came out of Egypt. He hearkens back to Egypt. He hearkens back to Egypt because Egypt was the big show where he said, I can defeat any God you can put before me, right? So we hearken back to our salvation. We hearken back and say, it's nothing too difficult for you, God. You got this. My spirit remains in your midst. Do not fear. Do not fear. What a time where everybody is so afraid. We don't just have God in our midst anymore. We have God in us, the hope of glory. Christ in us, the hope of glory. People in the Old Testament look forward to that. It was unfathomable that God, God, who, who was untouchable, who zapped people who opened the ark, tried to touch the ark. He lives in us. He lives in us. Do not fear for this is what the Lord of armies says. And we're going to wrap it up here. Once more in a little while, I am going to shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land. And I will shake all the nations. And they will come with wealth of all nations. And I will fill the house with glory, says the Lord of armies. Anybody get a little bit excited because there's like, there's something in there, right? There's something in there that was, they're all, the word of God, when it's historical, and it is in a time and a place, it has a context, and that was its context. It also has principles that apply to other times. And God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he says, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to shake. I'm going to fill. And I'm going to bring peace. So he says, I'm going to shake everything that basically can be shaken. It's going to be shaken. And I will fill the house. I will fill the house with glory. Remember what the house is. It's not a building. It says the Lord of hosts. The silver is mine. The gold is mine, declares the Lord of armies. God's got it covered. Heaven has streets that, whose paving stones are gold. You're walking on them. They're like asphalt. That's not a problem for God. What's he saying? I've got the supply. When the economy crashes and paper money and, and money is not important anymore, I got you. I got you. Don't worry about these things. Don't fret. Do not fear. I've got it. I'm your source. I'm your supply. But if you want to look after yourself, I'm going to let you. Because I hope that you're seeing it doesn't work. I hope you're seeing it doesn't work. Come and rest in me. So he says, the latter glory of this house will be greater than the former. Says the Lord of hosts. And in this place, I will give peace, declares the Lord of hosts. 
And of course, Jesus came and tabernacled. He tented amongst mankind in a body made of flesh. And he was the, he was the house that passed all the glory. But doesn't somebody feel like there's a ring of the prophetic on there for a third great awakening? So many prophetic people saying there's going to be a third great awakening. Okay. And in that place, I will give peace. And on the 24th day of the ninth month of the second year of Darius, the word of the Lord came to the prophet saying, the Lord of armies says this. And um, I'm just going to skip down this part. Basically, it's, it's asking the priests, you know, if, if something is contaminated, can the contamination spread? And the answer is yes. Sin spreads really easily. If something is holy, does it spread to everyone else? Uh-uh. Doesn't work that way. Doesn't work that way. You've got to cooperate with holiness. You gotta cooperate with holiness. God imparts holiness to us through Christ. And you need to continue to walk in that holiness. Uh, we can't, a healthy, if I'm healthy, I don't come and impart health to Bruce if he's sick, right? That will only be the spirit of God, but just my my physical touch on him is not what's imparting health. I think maybe I got a little we got off on a, a, a side topic on that. I didn't, I didn't explain that well. But basically, the Old Testament principle was contamination spreads and holiness didn't. Um, we have the Holy Spirit in us. So I'm not, I don't want to uh, camp on that point too long because we want to get through here. But essentially, he says they can look back where they saw, where they worked hard, and what they were producing wasn't what they expected. It was about half. And the Lord is saying, consider that and come back to me. Return to me. Bless you guys. Hey. Yeah, take care. Uh, and consider from this day onward. Consider. So we have the word consider in here three more times. Uh, consider from this day on, I will bless you. I will bless you. And the word of the Lord came and said, I'm going to shake the heavens and the earth. I'm going to jump down to 22 here. I'm going to overthrow thrones and kingdoms and destroy the power of kingdoms and nations. I will overthrow the chariots and their riders, and the horses and their riders will go down, every one by the sword of another. And on that day, uh, I will take Zerubbabel, my servant, and make him like a signet ring, for I have chosen you, says the Lord of armies. Take some time and just read the book of Haggai. It's only two chapters. But there, there are principles in there that the Lord is saying, I am a good, good father. And we're going to see those words in the Old Testament. I'm a good, good father. I have a good plan. I'm like the, you know, I'm like the, the, the dad of the prodigal son. I've got, I've got the resources, and I'm committed to you, and I'm going to get you through. And I know your hearts, like Suzanne was reading from uh, Romans in the Passion this morning, your hearts are for God, and his are for you. And so the invitation today, I think, is come closer, come higher, press in, press in. Don't, don't miss out on anything he has for us. Don't become discouraged. Spend time in the presence of God. Be in the secret place with him and pull on heaven for more. Say, God, you said you said greater works would we do than you, because you go to the Father. Pull on heaven, I believe. Let's pray. So Father, we thank you for your word, which is timeless, and that it's powerful and living and sharper than a double-edged sword, discerns even to our thoughts and intents of our heart. Lord, we, we, we want to encourage ourselves, we want to encourage one another and say, press into know you. Jesus, more and more and more. And so we just, in our hearts, set apart Jesus as Lord. And Lord, um, just coming in to seek first your kingdom and your righteousness and to trust you for the things that worry us. Lord, when we're worrying, we can't simultaneously exercise faith. So Lord, where we worry, would you help us to consider our ways? And to give those things to you intentionally, Lord, and to exercise our trust. Because you're big. You are the Lord of heaven's armies. So, Lord, increase our faith and accomplish.
worship purposes in this place and everywhere we go. By your spirit, Lord, in your time.